I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and today we're going to be talking about yoga. You know, this is something that is such an interesting conversation because there are so many different aspects to yoga, and there's so many misinterpretations of yoga or different ways or or myths around it. I remember when I started understanding yoga, practicing it, I had no idea what was happening. Especially since you know I was working with these practitioners that have been working for so many years, and everything they did seemed effortless. And I was like, "How are you managing to do that?" And slowly, slowly, you know, yoga grows on you, and there is so much that we can learn from this practice. So our guest today is an expert on yoga, and I'm and we're going to deep dive into the different kinds of yoga. How is yoga useful? How can we start our own yoga journey? So join me in welcoming Namita Piparaya. To our Habit Coach podcast, Namita, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ashton. It's wonderful to be here, and I'm looking forward to have an engaging conversation on yoga and all things yoga. Yay. <laughs> Namita, tell us yeah. a little bit about yourself. How do you get into this journey? Uh, so, Ashton, I'm actually an ex-banker. I was in the corporate rat race for about ten years before I found my passion in yoga. So, I'm now a yoga and Ayurveda lifestyle specialist. I'm also a corrective exercise coach. Uh, and uh, i like to integrate yoga ayurveda and philosophy into my teaching and my content creation so i write a lot i create a lot of content and i also teach yoga wow so where did this journey start from like how did you like what was the tipping point what was the starting point for you that's interesting so um i was actually offered a promotion at work and that was a big break for me that was and instead of being excited i actually felt weighed down because that meant more time more energy more effort because with you know a promotion comes more responsibility and i really had to ask myself am i willing to give up all my weekends and my time for that extra pay and that you know better grade and i wasn't excited and i think that was the moment for me if i don't take up this promotion what am i doing here anyway and if not this then what else and that's when i started uh, my journey in wellness because that's what i always was passionate about during my corporate world my weekends would go into taking courses and studying these subjects and so i just decided to go into it full time so you had been already practicing it or was it something that was brand new once you re- once you had this realization you know i grew up in a family which was a lot into meditation yoga wellness we used to have this ayurveda magazine that used to come called nirog dham it's a small publication from madhya pradesh but we used to get it every month i grew up reading it it was just that environment that i really thrived in so a little bit exposure was there but i actually seriously started practicing yoga in around 2014 two years after that so, i decided to become a teacher wow yeah so when you started practicing take us through that Okay, so when you started practicing, was it easy? Was it hard? What was the stuff that was going through your mind? Why did you choose yoga over something else? So when I first started practicing, it was a small booklet in Hindi in my dad's library. You know, yoga asanas, kaise kare, and I would just pick out postures from that. I was twelve, thirteen, so I'd been practicing. I'd learned some salutations on my own, but it was a basic practice, nothing like those advanced postures. I would just skip those in the book, thinking, "Ye kahan karega? Like, who's going to do this? This is too complicated." I didn't, and I just whatever was easy for me to do as a child, I'd do those. So that's how it started, and I kept up with it. But I moved to Bombay in 2014, and it was uh, really, really stressful. <laughs> Any North Indian, when you come to the city, it's super busy, it's super crowded, and rents are exorbitant. 
So that was very, very stressful for me. And luckily, wherever I was staying, there was a small yoga studio. So I started going there. And the practice would make me feel good. I would be like irritable, angry and upset. But if I would do yoga for the day, I would feel good throughout. Now, I'd been physically active. I've been doing exercises throughout. I was into athletics and sports in school and college. But yoga was different. It calmed me down. So I actually started getting curious and you know, I would Google, why does yoga make me feel nice? And I think that's where the journey started, that one question. What did you find out? It balances or calms down my nervous system because it's not fast, it's moderate pain and it focuses on the breath. So actually the magic was in the breath. And um, that's what if you read ancient yoga texts, they talk about the breath significantly and the spine. So that was my answer. <laughs> So breath and spine are definitely things that we have to touch upon yeah. probably a little later on in the podcast. Yeah. But I want to, I want us to understand a little bit about the different kinds of yoga that is there. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I remember uh, going for my first class and we said we're doing Hatha and there was Hatha flow and then there was yeah. an Ashtanga and, I, and yeah. I couldn't understand what it was. And I kept telling people, what does this mean? What does this mean? Yeah. And I couldn't get a satisfactory answer. So for people who are confused, can you break down the different kinds of yeah. yoga? Yeah. So the original or the umbrella yoga practice is Hatha yoga. That was the original yoga which started in the medieval times. So you could say 14th century, 15th century around that time. And that is those traditional postures we see, you know, yogis hanging from the trees or sitting on a lion skin and then doing those uh, sitting postures. So there was about 84 traditional postures that are attributed to that practice. We don't know what those 84 were. We know the names, but we, the images are few and far between. So traditional 84 postures of Hatha yoga. Then in the modern times, various adaptations have come through. And I think that's fair because modern times are different from medieval times. So the next main practice that came up was Ashtanga yoga, which started in Mysore. So Ashtanga yoga is a more dynamic, more uh, aggressive yoga practice, which is very challenging. So if you see those headstands and chaturangas and complicated ambas, they come into Ashtanga. It became popular because some uh, foreigners visited Mysore. They really enjoyed the practice. It was more appealing to the Western audience. And then it started becoming popular. Then came what is called Vinyasa Yoga, which is, so you can say Ashtanga Yoga because it's very continuous and rhythmic is a form of Vinyasa. But Ashtanga Yoga has its own set of fixed postures, which belong to a school and you, you, you can't change that. Vinyasa yoga is a dynamic practice, more like a low impact aerobics in which a teacher can choose posture. So I can make a vinyasa class combining postures in a way that I find. And it's really creative and um, it's more challenging than traditional hatha yoga. So hatha yoga, you hold postures and you breathe. Vinyasa yoga, you move in and out of postures. Like sun salutation, right? You don't hold a sun salutation. You keep doing it. The sun salutation is the vinyasa. A younger yoga is a type of yoga which uses a lot of props. It's more therapeutic. It's great for sports uh, injuries and posture correction. So you'll see like many different types of props in a younger yoga. That's broadly the category. There's one more I would like to explain, which is power yoga. So power yoga was started by students of Ashtanga yoga, and they added their own postures to it to make it more challenging and resistance training oriented. Was that too much information? <laughs> Loan. Okay, so yeah. let's let's break it down. So Hatha Yoga is the original one that consists of those 84 different postures, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And what are those kinds of postures? These are, like you said, those are not the hardcore yoga postures. So no, no, they are. What are they, those? 
Yeah. So they are. So you will have hmm. uh, your headstand, Padmasan, Siddhasan, Vajrasan, uh, Viparit Karni. So these postures, Paschimottanasan, which is your forward bend, they're all apart. So they are hardcore. There is one book actually which covers a fair bit of them with color uh, drawings from that time. It's just that the way they are integrated in Ashtanga is more dynamic. You keep moving in and out like a cycle. You are uh, repeating them multiple times. Whereas in a Hatha class, you hold a posture for 30 seconds or so. In a Vinyasa class, you may just hold it for 10 seconds and repeat 10 seconds and repeat like a loop. So now, say somebody is starting the yoga journey. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How should they choose which one to start off with? What is, is Should you choose it like based on your personality? Should you choose it based on whatever is available to you around the around? Yeah the place where you stay like how should you think about um, these six so three ways to go about it one you've said basis availability sometimes if there's no availability you don't really have a choice so the question it doesn't arise second luckily now everything's on zoom on zoom and online thanks to the pandemic now that that problem is not there no i shouldn't say thanks but one of the things Hmm. i'm sorry for that terminology but um, no no it is because it has opened up the world like we are able able to do this podcast only because of yeah. Zoom and pandemic and all of that had happened. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. we wouldn't be able to. So yeah. there so are a lot that, of positives that have come out as well from it. Yes. Exactly. So that was my intention as well. Hmm. And um, so one is you follow your intuition. And I'm a great believer in intuitive living because we are empowered to make the right decisions for ourselves. We don't always need somebody to tell us what is right for us. Hmm. So you should try different practices and you may realize that you like some more than the other. I personally enjoy Hatha although I've trained in Ashtanga as well, I personally enjoy Hatha a lot more. But I have students who enjoy Vinyasa immensely. They love my Vinyasa classes. So it is intuitive. You you are all different and you need to choose what you like. Second thing is you use Ayurveda. And that is where, you know, Ayurveda and yoga integrate because Ayurveda has this personality assessment concept that you we are all, a, you know, can be clubbed under a prototype of a certain Prakriti or Dosha type. And then depending on how your, uh, you know, balance of energies is at a particular point in time, you you can choose. So if you have a bit of vata aggravation, which is the wind element, then you would choose hatha, which is grounding. If you have more kapha aggravation, you would choose vinyasa, which is more mobile and kind of breaks the, you know, stagnation that comes with kapha. But all of this can also be intuitive. If we are self-aware enough, we can make these decisions. So it's... uh, Everybody likes different practice and your choice of practice will change with time. In summers, I might like something. In winters, I might like something else. So That's very interesting. Yeah. Seasonality in, in your, in your yeah. yoga practice. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you said something very important, which was that in, in Ayurveda, if you have a Vata personality, you would choose, for example, a more dynamic form, right? Yeah. Or, uh, no, or, no, so slower you, grounding form. A more grounding form, sorry. Yeah. So you would choose the opposite of what kind of personality you have. Yeah, right? so... I, do you choose the opposite of what you typically live your life as? Or do you choose something that you're in sync with? So if like I'm a hyper person, do I choose a hyper yoga as well? Like a, a, a vinyasa flow kind of yeah. a thing? Or do yeah. I do uh, something that's more calming? So when I say, you know, just little um, mm. thing I would like to add, when you say if I have a vata type. So when I, so in Ayurveda, there are two things. One is the personality you are born with, which is your core blueprint, which doesn't change. And one is the mix of doshas at the current point in time, which because of my lifestyle, diet habits, environment may have changed. So if my balance of energies is different from what I was born with, I will have imbalances. 
So if you're a Vata personality who's well balanced, who's mix of Vata, Pitta, Kapha is same as, you know, your nature, your true nature, then yes, you can pursue those dynamic practices because it's working for you. But if you're a Vata person who's from fatigue, who has lots of aches and pains, who's facing a burnout, who has anxiety, then clearly you need to counterbalance because that imbalance has happened. So if your life is good and healthy, there is no imbalance, you should go with whatever appeals to you. But because a Vata person will have a tendency to choose something hyper, they want to run, they want to do vinyasa, they want to push themselves, they're light and airy, they're great communicators and very creative as well. So if you're a Vata person who's giving speeches every day and then running every day and um, are not really counterbalancing that in any way, then your yoga practice can help you do that. That's when it becomes therapeutic. So it's something that you would either get assessed by an Ayurveda Ayurvedic doctor or a specialist, or you would understand that for yourself through introspection and self-awareness. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So now, why should somebody start a yoga practice? Like, what are the reasons why they should start one? So yeah, there can be a couple of reasons. I personally think the strongest reason to start a yoga practice is stress management. It's a great self uh, stress management tool because it was designed to be that. It was designed to be eventually a meditation practice. So you start with asanas, which help release tension and stiffness from the body. It puts you in a more calm state. Then you move to pranayam, which is then relaxing your nervous system even further, improving your parasympathetic tone. And when everything is nice and settled, there is no storm of thoughts going on as much. You can move to meditation. So this, you know, yoga very nicely brings you to a meditation practice and helps you enjoy your meditation practice even more. That's one. Second is to be active. Now it's very accessible. You just need a yoga mat. You can do it in a hotel room, you know, just, you know, lay out a towel and practice on that. You, anybody of any age can modify it's personalized it's customizable so if you want to get some movement if you're generally inactive you don't uh, have a lot of time to go to a gym or somewhere out in the comfort of your home so it is a movement a moderately challenging movement based um, practice as well so two broad reasons i would give i personally feel strongest is stress management because you can move in many other ways when it comes to yoga and especially given a fast-paced you know you know go get a uh, lifestyle yoga helps you counterbalance that. Everybody's stressed. Everybody's stressed for time. And given the nature of the world, I think most of us need to slow down, reflect, be in the moment rather than keep doing. So that would the two reasons. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. Welcome back. Let's jump into the conversation. What are the reasons that you've seen people get into yoga which are all like all the wrong reasons. Like <gasps> there are red flags. And she's like, okay, guys, not for this. Don't join yoga for this. You know, I don't want to say that because I myself started doing, you know, yoga for a wrong reason, so to say. So when I went for my teacher training, I had this very complicated pose. That was my goal. And I'd send it to my mom. When I'm done, I will do this. So it was a pinch Mayurasan. <laughs> variation of single arm pinch Mayurasan. There the, you with, go. <laughs> So yeah, so I didn't, I never achieved, I did a lot of other postures, but I lost interest in that because I discovered a lot of other things in my teacher training. So I think people should come to yoga for whatever reason, because eventually everybody starts noticing that it's making a difference. It's different from other things. When I started going for yoga also was, I thought it'll be cool. I'll do splits. I'll do some fancy postures. And I was only working on them. So everybody joins, nobody joins to become peaceful or calm. No one's 
you know, because we are like the doers, we're not really used to being unless we get some training through it like yoga. It's only with practice that we start moving in that direction. So I would say whatever reason you have come to my class or come to any class, go for yoga, you will eventually, most people will discover there is more to it. Some won't, but that's uh, everybody's individual journey. But yeah, there are, uh, there's a lot of marketing that happens by using yoga. Just the other day, a friend in the US sent me a picture of a charpai, you know, the Indian cart, it's called in Haryana, the charpai. And it said yoga bed and it was $1,000. So you can add yoga to anything. And it, it sells more. So there are a lot of things you add the word yoga. It really has nothing to do with yoga. So that happens, which is more a capitalism fallout than, than anything else. Yoga for yeah. muscle building? Uh, it's not as effective. You would achieve more when you go to the gym with weights. You would, it just would be faster. I wouldn't say why you would come to yoga for muscle building when you can do something else, which will be more productive. But yes, you would yeah. develop some muscle tone with the body weight training. So typically when we think of the body, there are three, four things that people immediately yeah. talk about, right? So one yeah. is muscle building, yeah. one is fat loss. Correct? Yeah, belly fat loss and belly glowing fat loss. skin. And Happens, wrinkle. works, doesn't work, should come for it, should not come for it. You know, I, I think it's uh, unfortunate because when it comes to fat loss or, you know, uh, particularly fat loss, it's not really exercise, it's diet. So much research has happened and yet we see people really pushing themselves at the gym for that fat loss and it really has is counterproductive. It increases your stress levels, it lowers your immunity, it primes you up for a burnout and fatigue. So much happens. So I don't think you should use fat loss with any kind of exercise because it's diet, 80%. Yes, exercise would help, but... Uh, after a point, your metabolism will reset, right? So it's not used for exercise is great as a fitness, as a as a mood boosting and for many other muscle to whatever your goals are. But if it's for weight loss, it is largely diet. And actually yoga might be more helpful because it helps you manage stress. It calms you down. One of the things I noticed with my yoga practice was that before I started, I was a dessert junkie I needed sweet or cakes or you know everything was always there in my house something sweet and I was there in my store for six months I took an extended training and uh, two months into my practice I realized I was having those sweet cravings I actually was not having any dessert at all for many months after that so it's what it was just stress management when you're stressed you crave that stress relief through food which is not really required in terms of hunger, but more in terms of mental uh, relaxation. And I think, so as far as your weight is related to stress, yoga will help. But uh, so... Lovely. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely love that answer because you hit the nail on the head, right? You know, yeah. everyone tries to do these exercise things, hoping that the fat loss and weight loss and all of that happens. But yeah. you, have to, you have to practice the don't put in your mouth asana. Right, like stop eating so much or stop eating the yeah. that kind of food. Focus on the yeah. food that you're eating. Um, now, what I wanted to ask you is, think of a journey that people can follow. Right, what yeah. would a journey for growth be in yoga? So, where would people typically start? What would the first yeah. two three months look like? After yeah. three months, what would the practice look like? And yeah. then, what would the growth path be? Do people really need to go to a retreat? Do they have to go to and and stay in an ashram? What is the process that um, right. yoga can follow for people so the intended process by the founders of yoga I'll come to that first so even the founders of Hatha Yoga said that this practice is being shared only and only for you to um, uh, practice Raj Yoga which was meditation so typically you start with 
asan, which is a body-oriented practice. Everybody can relate to it. With meditation or pranayama, people like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start. But everybody can come and do tree pose. It's not challenging. It's tangible. So it's easy. And it starts preparing you, starts grooming you. Because, okay, you've done tree pose. Now you have to stand 30 seconds, breathe. You, you, you learn to, you know, be in the present moment. So that's a very good training. So typically you would start with asanas and you don't know how long it will take. You know, some people might start enjoying pranayama within three months. Some people may take years. And naturally, everybody has to practice some pranayama at least five minutes every day doing a proper yoga training. And that's when you start moving a little bit inwards. You start forgetting about the body and start focusing on the breath. And I think breath is the foundational tool. So that's what you would practice. You would increase your time of pranayama over time. And then you come to meditation. So the progress would be first to begin with most time spent on practice and little time on pranayama meditation. Then more time on pranayama and then eventually more time on meditation. So current recommendation from the scientific community is at least 30 30 minutes, 15 to 30 minutes of meditation every day to get some tangible benefits. When you go to the Indian spiritual gurus, they recommend two hours of Simran or meditation a day. So that's the journey you can look at, but it's not relatable in today's age. So 15 to 30 minutes of meditation, when you can get to, you you, you should try to sustain that. And asana practice can start taking a backseat unless you have time to do both is the journey. Interesting. So yeah. for a newbie, say like yeah. me, okay, yeah. completely newbie, where yeah. should my yoga practice start? Like what should I be doing how many times a day what should I what should my yoga practice look like when I begin yeah so I um, talk about what is called the rule of x so x could be a number like three five six nine but let's take five because that's doable and meaningful so you you do five rounds of sun salutations to start with you pick five basic postures for the day you do five minutes of pranayama you do five minutes of meditation if 20 minutes you don't have, make it three. And then, you know, you can vary. So that's your rule of X. You, more time you have, you make it nine than you. And, you know, people wonder what postures to choose. It really doesn't matter as much. Let it be intuitive. Pick the five you enjoy the most. So as soon as you get into them, you really like it. Or there's some basic rules. You take one single leg balance, which is like your tree pose. You take one side bend. You take one back bend, one forward bend, one twist, and uh, a relaxation pose like Shavasana child pose. So various movements of the body in different planes of motion is one thumb rule, or when you start any five or six that you really like. And you hold these for? You hold these for 30 seconds, but if you want to repeat, you hold for 15 seconds and repeat two to three times, or you do 30 seconds at one at a time is also enough. Okay. So this is something that people can start off with at, at a very basic level. Yeah, five yeah. sun salutations, yeah. five yeah. of these postures, 30, 30, yeah. 30, 30 seconds each. Yeah. Five minutes of uh, five minutes of breathing. Five minutes, five minutes of, of breathing. breathing. Yeah. Five minutes of breathing, five minutes of meditation. And you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Sorted. Okay. Yeah. Lovely. So I think this is a great place that people can start off with. Right. I normally right. tell people, you know, when you want to start off with a yoga practice, don't think half an hour. Yeah. Like, don't Very even good, think yeah. about like, you know, because then you come up with all sorts of excuses saying like, Are, you know, I only have 15 mm-hmm. minutes. There's no way I can finish my yeah. half an hour class. So I won't do it today. Yeah. And yeah. I'm saying that that is the trap that we fall in. And the kind of habit that you need to create is just to roll out your yoga mat. Absolutely. So well said, Ashton. That's so true that it's consistency, not intensity or the amount of time. When you build a yoga practice, even 10 minutes is enough. Get regular with 10 minutes. It'll become more over time. 
Absolutely. Because yeah. for many people, rolling out that yoga mat is the first challenge. <laughs> yeah. Correct? Yeah. Everyone can roll out the yoga mat. So yeah. just do yeah. that. You know, yeah. and even if you don't have time, just sit on it. Yeah. Right? At least you'll be able to sit on it. Maybe you'll stretch a little. You'll do a little bit of, you know, exactly. moving left, right. Something will happen. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, I call them yoga capsule. Using, you know, like uh, if you don't have 20 minutes, you only have 10 minutes, then it's a good time to just do breathing practice and meditation. If you more more than 10 minutes, then do, you know, physical practice as well. The asan part. So I pop a yoga capsule for five minutes. It's it's, it's going to set you for the day because okay. breathing is effective. That effective. That's so cool. Pop a yoga yeah. capsule. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. Thanks. So So this people can immediately start off with and do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as a newbie, what are the things that I should be focusing on? Like we said right in the beginning, we spoke about breath. We spoke about spine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are there three, four things like that that we need to focus on when we're thinking about yoga? Yeah, a uh, couple of things. One is obviously the breath. So as soon as you assume a posture, you start focusing on the breath. You know, whatever pace it is, it's uh, often beginners tend to start breathing deeply, and you'll notice this. And there is this effort, a lot of effort. Moment I say breathe, and you know, there's that tendency to do that. So when I tell, or a yoga teacher tells you to breathe, all they're asking you to do is just become aware of it and not to do it forcefully, but notice, notice that expansion, you know. So it's more of a mindfulness practice. One is that, so breath is important. Uh, second is alignment. Now that often gets a lot of people uh, concerned. Are they doing it right or not? For that, there are only two things. One, don't look at the aesthetics of a pose because if just because somebody is really advanced or has been practicing for many years, their pose may look very elegant. But it's perfectly all right to use props like a rope or a belt or a block to help you make your alignment right. So don't worry about the aesthetics. Use the props. Second, you should never be in pain. No posture should make you feel like you are in a kind of discomfort. Little little bit of stress, all of us put ourselves through through exercise, but by pain, I mean like uncomfortable pain that's not suitable. That's the That's second. very important. Can I just pause on yeah. this one? Yeah, yeah. So what is the limit that you should be taking? For example, a stretch to. Yeah. So it's like if, if you had to scale it on 10, right? 10 is like, oh, I'm about to break. And yeah. zero is, this is like nothing. Where, yeah. would, where would you put the, the stretch response? To? Where should it be? It should be your maximum and little less than, and you know, dial it back 10%. So 90% of your maximum is good enough for you to start seeing improvement in flexibility. In fact, more than that, the body goes into stress and you will keep struggling between being flexible, not flexible, stiff the other day. So 90% is generally, and for 90%. each person that that threshold will vary. Where I am at my maximum or where someone else is going to be different. So don't compare. Your 90% may be different from somebody else's. Yeah, Namita, I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> yoga is so intimidating when you yes. go yeah. for the first time and people are doing like, like the full hands on the floor and I can't even touch my yeah. shins. You yeah. know, it's that's that's the position that you start off with, right? Yeah, like, yeah. How do you get past that feeling of like, oh my God, like how, like there's this huge mountain that I have to climb in order to even get yeah. to this point. If you're comfortable, you close your eyes and focus on your breath. It takes three breaths and you will forget about everything else. You start tuning into your breath. And that's the practice because it's not, no, actually nobody is interested in what you're doing. People who are doing yoga only want to see how they are doing. So that, that, that it's like at the gym, it's everybody's doing their own thing and they're concerned with how they are doing. 
So your practice is entirely personal to you and there's nothing wrong with the hamstrings being tight. There's a very good reason they would be tight. Maybe you're a runner. Maybe that's how your lower back is being supported by the body. Our body is intelligent, right? Our brain decides which muscle is going to be tight, which is not. So for your posture, that's great. Now you're trying to disturb that. You're trying to tell your brain, no, no, do this. It has to be done in a very careful manner. It should not be that other people are doing it, that I will force myself or I will really want to get my hands to touch the ground. So that's not helpful. So close your eyes, focus on your breath and uh, just observe the sensations in the body. That's what I would say. Instead so don't of, get intimidated by people around you. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah, you yeah. if you find it difficult doing a pose, that is enough. Yeah. <laughs> Take it up to their 90% and continue. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Variability, right? We all are different. We all don't have to be the same. It'll be a boring world. So our bodies are different. And so do our postures look different. Teach us a little bit about how to use the breath. Okay. The foundation, the one number one thing about the breath is that you should create expansion when you breathe in. So which means like a balloon, as you breathe in, the lungs are expanding or rather the diaphragm is going down, which is why the lungs are expanding. And as you exhale, there is contraction. A lot of people do the opposite. So that is a sign of stress. That is also something that aggravates stress. So number one, every day, sit down for five minutes, your beginning practice, close your eyes, visualize your lungs like two balloons, inhale, exhale. A lot of times you see people place their hands on their, uh, uh, which is your sectional breathing around the navel area. So when you breathe in, you will feel that expansion across your hands. So that is foundational breathing, diaphragmatic breathing. You must get that right before you do any other pranayam practice. That is what you do in most yoga postures. But many times in yoga postures, you actually pull your belly in, which is when you do chest breathing. So that also happens. That varies. You automatically you will know. So these are and yeah. And when you're doing a pose, for example, or when you're doing a particular posture, um, is there any cadence in breathing? So like I know people, like many teachers say that uh, you know, and hold this posture for five breaths. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now my five breaths can be. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. done, right? But like, what did what do they mean by hold it by for five breaths? How do you actually yeah. understand that five breath and and use it yeah. properly? So yeah, so five breaths is actually uh, so this concept comes from what is called the Mysore style of training, where you will have thirty students in a class and everybody's doing their own practice. There's no one teacher telling everybody to do the same pose. Everybody has a list of poses. They keep doing it. They start with holding the pose for five breaths or nine breaths. But when you're in a group class, that cannot happen because everybody's breath is different. So it is fine when you're doing your own practice, you start with holding the pose for five breaths, because as you keep practicing, those five breaths will take longer and longer. So, you know, in the first month of your practice, those five breaths may take only 10 seconds, 15 seconds over a period of time. You take it up to a minute. So when you start, it's typically 15 breaths a minute. And, you know, eventually it should be five breaths a minute. Not should be, it's the goal you're looking at. You take longer and longer to finish those five breaths. That's the purpose. And is it a conscious breath that you're taking or is it allowing your body to do what it does? No, when you focus on the breath, there's a bit of conscious awareness there. Because if you lose awareness, you lose the breath. It's, uh, you, you're using the breath to stay in the moment. And it's mm -hmm. not a lot of effort. So like I said... There is no effort like that. There is just mm. a gentle nudge, a nudge mm. to, because as soon as aware, awareness comes, your breathing will change. And that's the change you're going for. So 
Um, so, so there are four parts to the breath. So there's the in breath, there's the hold, in hold, yeah. there's an out breath, and there's an out hold, correct? Yeah, yeah. In yoga, do they tell you about what percentage of each they yeah. should be? Like, should it be a long inhale, short hold, long hold? Like, how, how does that work? Inhalation has the least importance. So inhalation is the lowest. So when, and uh, before we come to retention, just to take it sequentially, first get your inhalation right, which is your expansion. Exhalation is back. Then you have your exhalation. Your exhalation is longer than your inhalation, almost double. So if you inhale for four seconds, you try and exhale for eight seconds. Your retention is even more. So there's a lot of focus on retention, but that's a complicated process. So people should all be careful. So it is usually one is to four is to two. So if you inhale for four, you hold for 16, you exhale for eight. So retention has most importance and um, your inhalation has the least importance. So and which it's is an exhale hold that we talk about. Inhale, exhale, hold also we talk about, but that uh, is something that different schools have different, uh, you know, views on. It is one is to four is to two is to four is also some people. So retention at both. Two is one two. is to four. Is to, so four second inhale, 16 second hold, eight second exhale, and then you hold for either eight or 16 seconds. But that is varies by school. Traditionally, this one is to four is to two is. Okay. Is what one we is to four is for. to two. Fine, got it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Because, you know, for these fundamentals in a class, no one gets the time to talk about. Yeah. And and, and understand, right? So it's so yeah. important for us to learn these things. And yeah. and when you think about yoga, there is a bit, bit of intimidation if you're doing it for the first time. Yeah. If you're yeah. a practice, practitioner, obviously you've gone through it. You've gone through your teachers and yeah. you've learned from, from them in that process. Yeah. Lovely. Um. Any last thoughts on yoga that you feel that our audience should know? How to make it a habit? How should they take it and build consistency and almost make it a part of their lifestyle? Absolutely. You know, uh, like I said, there are two messages that I would like to give. That one, don't worry about how intense your yoga practice is. That is irrelevant. It is the consistency. You're going to see a difference if you just become regular with whatever style or you know intensity of yoga you are doing. If you show up at least five days in a week or four days in a week on your mat, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, it's fine. Second, try to incorporate all three pillars, which is asan pranayam and meditation. It can be intimidating. What do I do? But just do three minutes of meditation. Do one minute of meditation. Doesn't matter. Just do like make it like a tick mark. If it's a goal, it'll get done. Don't ignore it because that's very, very powerful. And the young people are most resistant to it. But the earlier you build this practice, the easier it gets for you over time. So I would say, even if it's just one minute on your timer, you put and you close your eyes and sit, it's helpful rather than not doing it at all. So three pillars, all three are important. Superb. Don't just think of it as a physical practice. Think of it as building your breathing and your meditation into it as well. And then you will understand it in its completeness. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Namita, thank you so much for coming on the Habit Coach podcast and sharing this with us. How can people get in touch with you, continue this conversation with you? Where are you available? Thanks, Ashton. I am uh, very active on Instagram. My handle is Yoganama. They can write to me also at namita at yoganama.com. I also have a website uh, by the same name, yoganama.com. So please feel free to get in touch with me on either of these platforms. And, uh, and, and you conduct yeah. classes as well online? 
Yes, I do conduct and the details would be available on my website. I also have a OTT yoga platform called Yoganama TV uh, on which you will find hundreds of my recorded videos as uh, you know pranayama meditation courses that you can subscribe to and uh, Where is this available? This is on my website. Uh, it's tv.yoganama.com. So tv.yoganama.com just uh, log in and uh, there are a lot of free videos as well so please do look it up. Fantastic. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Ashton. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful chatting with you. Yay. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IVM podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Ashton Doc on Twitter and Instagram. You can find lots more information on my website awesome180.com or check out different content on my YouTube channel called AWESOME180 that's awesome180